grab your coffee, tea, whatever drink it is you're having. I actually have two up here, a sparkling ice and some hot cocoa because it is winter and you can see that Christmas tree behind me. But we're going to be looking at the lawsuit that Jeffrey Epstein's victims have filed against JP Morgan Chase. In this case, we're just looking at JP Morgan Chase. There is another bank. I'm going to save that one for a whole different video. So get comfortable, get ready. We're going to go through how this lawsuit is alleging that the bank knew that it was profiting from something that, yeah, should not have been going on. Let me jump into it and stop running my mouth. Let's get ready here. All right, you're ready. I'm ready. I think. United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, Jane Doe 1, individually and on behalf of all others similarly situated plaintiffs versus J.P. Morgan Chase defendant. This is a class action complaint. Jury trial demanded. Individual and class action complaint. Plaintiff Jane Doe file Jane Doe one files this individual and in civil class action complaint for damages and other relief under, among other provisions of law, the United States federal anti-sex trafficking statute, 18 U.S.C. sections 1591 through 95, the Trafficking Victim Protection Act, or TVPA and for intentional and negligent acts and omissions under the New York Adult Survivors Act. The suit arises from defendant J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, here and after J.P. Morgan, financially benefiting from participating in Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking by providing the requisite financial support for the continued operation of Epstein's international sex trafficking organization from 1998 through August 2013. That's a long time. J.P. Morgan knowingly and intentionally benefited and received things of value for assisting, supporting, facilitating, and otherwise providing the most critical service for the Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking organization to successfully rape, sexually assault, and coercively sex traffic Plaintiff Jane Doe 1 and the numerous other members of the class proposed below, referred to as the class. JP Morgan knew that Epstein was regularly committing violations of New York Penal Law, Article 130, including and especially New York Penal Law Sections 130.20, 130.35, 130.50, 130.51, 130.52, 130.53, 130.54, 130.55, and 130.66, and acted in a negligent manner so as to enable Epstein to commit such offenses against countless young women. J.P. Morgan also knew that Epstein would use means of force, threats of force, fraud, abuse of legal process, exploitation of power disparity, and a variety of other forms of coercion to cause young women and girls to engage in commercial sex acts. Knowing that they would earn millions of dollars from facilitating Epstein's sex abuse and trafficking, JP Morgan chose profits over following the law. 
specifically, JP Morgan chose facilitating a sexual abuse and sex trafficking operation for many years, including through the criminal investigation and incarceration of Jeffrey Epstein in order to churn profits. Plaintiff makes the following allegations on information and belief and believes that substantial additional evidentiary support will exist for the allegations set forth herein after a reasonable opportunity for discovery. Jurisdiction, venue, and timeliness. This action is brought pursuant to various federal and state statutes, including the federal TVA, 18 U.S.C. section 1589 through 1595. This court has federal question subject matter jurisdiction pursuant to 28 U.S.C. section 1331 because Jane Doe 1, individually and on behalf of the other class members, proceeds under the federal TVPA statute. This court also has supplemental jurisdiction over the state law claims recounted below pursuant to 28 U.S.C. section 1367A because all claims alleged herein are part of a uniform pattern and practice and form part of the same case or controversy. This court, this court is an appropriate District Court of the United States. I'm trying to get rid of this at the bottom here. Ah, that's nice. This court is an appropriate district court of the United States in accordance with 18 U.S.C. section 1595 in which to bring this action. Venue is proper in this district under 28 U.S.C. section 1391b2 because Epstein, his co-conspirators, and J.P. Morgan all conducted substantial activities in this district and knowingly aided and abetted, facilitated, and directly participated in Epstein's illegal venture through actions that originated in this district. In addition, Epstein sexually abused and trafficked Jane Doe 1 and members of the class in this district. Often these acts of sexual abuse and commercial sex acts committed by Jeffrey Epstein and certain select friends of his took place in Jeffrey Epstein's New York mansion located within this district at 9 East 71st Street in New York City. Epstein also used his New York mansion to harbor his victims and as a base from which to transport them to other locations outside of New York. A substantial part of the acts, events, and omissions giving rise to this cause of action occurred in this district. This action has been timely filed pursuant to 18 U.S.C. section 1595C1, which provides that a plaintiff shall have 10 years after the cause of action arose to file suit against any person who knowingly benefits financially or by receiving anything of value from participation in a venture which that person knew or should have known violated the laws against sex trafficking. This action is also timely under New York's Adult Survivors Act parties. Jane Doe 1 is a U.S. citizen and was at all relevant times a resident of and domiciled in the state of New York. 
Plaintiff Jane Doe One is using a pseudonym to protect her identity because of the sensitive and highly personal nature of this matter, which involves sexual assault. Jane Doe One is also at risk of retaliatory harm because, of, because the co-conspirators who participated in the Epstein sex trafficking venture had, had and continue to possess tremendous wealth and power and have demonstrated a clear ability to cause her serious harm. Jane Doe One's safety, right to privacy and security outweigh the public interest in her identification. Jane Doe One's legitimate concerns outweigh any prejudice to defendant by allowing her to proceed anonymously. Accordingly, Jane Doe will be filing a motion to proceed anonymously. As discussed below, many other women are similarly situated to Jane Doe One and also need to proceed anonymously for the same reasons. The identities of most of these other women are known to defendant. Defendant JP Morgan is a global financial institution headquartered in New York, New York. Defendant JP Morgan is licensed by the New York State Department of Financial Services to operate a foreign bank branch in the state of New York. Defendant JP Morgan currently conducts substantial business in this district and conducted substantial business at the time of events covered in this complaint. As one example of business conducted in this district, JP Morgan ordinarily shares trade on the New York Stock Exchange located in this district. As another example, JP Morgan maintains branch banks in this, within this district. JP Morgan's financial activities, including the events alleged herein, were in and affecting interstate and foreign commerce. In connection with the acts alleged in this complaint, defendant directly or indirectly used the means and instrumentalities of interstate commerce, including but not limited to the mails, interstate telephone communications, and the facilities of national securities markets. JP Morgan is responsible under United States law and otherwise for the acts of its officers, directors, employees, and agents, including the acts described in this complaint. Introduction. Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking venture operated in many respects as a sex-themed cult designed to ensnare vulnerable young women and indoctrinate them into Epstein's carefully constructed world in which Epstein was their messiah. Epstein and his co-conspirators preached the gospel of Epstein. Epstein's victims were taught to do what he said and he would protect them, but disobey him and he would punish them and continue to disobey and he would cause them serious harm from which they could never recover. Once in Epstein's clutches, each victim was taught and understood that she must be completely compliant with every wish or demand Epstein had for her. Otherwise, she would certainly suffer serious reputational, financial, and psychological harm. By using these and other means of force, threats of force, fraud, threats of abuse of the legal process and coercion, Epstein and his co-conspirators sexually trafficked and sexually abused plaintiff Jane Doe One 
and the other members of the class. The Epstein sex trafficking venture originated in the early 1990s from its inception until Jeffrey Epstein's arrest by the FBI for sex trafficking in, in 2019 and his subsequent death on August 10, 2019 by apparent suicide. The venture operated primarily for the purpose of luring young women and girls into a position where Jeffrey Epstein and his co-conspirators could coerce them to engage in commercial sex acts and commit sexual offenses against them. His venture also operated to conceal its sex trafficking from law enforcement agents. The Epstein sex trafficking venture was well structured from the beginning and grew increasingly more complex and powerful as it victimized more young women and as its relationship with defendant J.P. Morgan grew. Epstein did not act alone. He created and maintained his sex trafficking venture with the assistance of other influential individuals and entities who he knew was sexually abusing and sexually trafficking young women and girls and provided support to facilitate his sexual abuse and sex trafficking operation. Epstein's sex trafficking venture was not possible without the assistance and complicity of a financial institution, specifically banking institution, which provided special treatment to the sex trafficking venture, thereby ensuring its continued operation and sexual abuse and sex trafficking of young women and girls. Without the financial institution's participation, Epstein's sex trafficking scheme could not have existed. Epstein's victims were young women and girls who suffered severe abuse as Epstein's sex trafficking victims and who believed they had to remain loyal to the venture at all costs in order to survive. Epstein victimized hundreds of young women and girls. Epstein's sexual abuse and sex trafficking scheme was supported by virtually unlimited wealth derived from select wealthy individuals who acted as the financial engine behind the sex trafficking operation. Epstein masterfully assessed the specific needs and vulnerability of each of his targeted victims. He then closed the trap on his victims with offers of money, food, shelter, medical care for them or family members, travel, schooling and career opportunities. Epstein groomed the young women and girls, indoctrinating them to believe that the sexual abuse was normal. Epstein fraudulently represented to the victims that he would take care of them in various ways, which ultimately allowed Epstein to cause them to engage in commercial sex acts with himself and on occasion others, as well as to create the opportunity for Epstein to sexually abuse them. The Epstein sex trafficking venture's purpose including, included enticing, obtaining, harboring, and transporting the young victims without drawing unwanted attention from law enforcement. The venture had everything a sex trafficking organization needed, funding, infrastructure, the appearance of legitimacy, and a complicit banking institution. It was by many accounts, the most powerful and wealthiest sex trafficking venture ever created. The Epstein sex, tra 
the Epstein sex trafficking venture knowingly used means of force, threats of force, fraud, coercion, including threats of serious harm or physical restraint, and abuse of law and the legal process to cause Jane Doe one and many dozens of others similarly situated women to engage in commercial sex acts. The Epstein sex trafficking venture operated in and affected interstate and foreign commerce. Epstein recruited, solicited, coerced, harbored, transported, and enticed some of his victims, including Jane Doe One and others similarly situated to engage in commercial sex acts in, among other places, New York, including the Southern District of New York, Florida, the US Virgin Islands, New Mexico, England, and France. The Epstein sex trafficking venture operated throughout the world from in and around the early 1990s through in and around August 10th, 2019, when Epstein died by apparent suicide. Thereafter, to and including the date of this complaint, members of the sex trafficking venture continued to further the venture by concealing the activities and extent of the venture. The manner of operation for Epstein's particular sexual abuse and sex trafficking operation was widely publicized. He would lure young girls or women to one of his luxurious mansions under the guise of being a wealthy philanthropist, able to advance careers in education or provide other life necessities. And once inside, he would force his would-be victim into providing a massage that would turn sexual. And from there, he would cause each of his unsuspecting victims to engage in a variety of commercial sex acts. Once in his presence, each victim knew it was no option to disobey Epstein. It was well known and understood that he was one of the most powerful and connected people in the United States, able to help any of these young women and also capable of and willing to hurt any of his victims. While the first sexual abuse was discovered to have likely occurred in the early 1990s with the use of his then paramour, Elaine Maxwell, his appetite for sexually abusing young women and girls grew over the years. By 2000, each victim was being directed to bring other victims and being paid handsomely in cash for recruiting other victims. The Florida criminal investigation uncovered that Epstein's sex trafficking operation grew its number of victims exponentially in the late 1990s and early 2000s. One major reason why Epstein's sex trafficking venture accumulated new victims at an alarming rate in the late 1990s and accelerating even faster by 2000 was his access to unlimited amounts of cash. Without exorbitantly large amounts of cash, Epstein's operation could not run, as newly recruited victims were each paid hundreds of dollars in cash immediately after Epstein sexually abused them as hush money. Each victim was also informed that she would be paid hundreds of dollars in cash for each additional victim she recruited, and Epstein made good on that promise of large cash payments. 
the public documents and articles stemming from the 2006 arrest made abundantly clear that Epstein was doling out thousands of dollars in cash every single day as hush money to victims he was sexually abusing and to victims he was using to recruit additional victims. If Epstein paid every victim with wire transfers and left a documented money trail, his illegal sexual abuse and sex trafficking operation would have been easily uncovered. However, with access to unlimited amounts of cash, Epstein was able to commit the egregious sexual crimes many times each day without leaving a paper trail. This constant expansion of sexual abuse and sex trafficking victims required cash on hand for Epstein to pay each victim as hush money for the abuse she was suffering, as well as each victim's finder's fee for bringing another victim. Because Epstein's vast wealth, said to have been more than a billion dollars, was maintained in seemingly legitimate financial institutions, he needed a complicit financial institution that would allow large regular cash withdrawals in order to operate his sex trafficking operation. And in order to access the large amount of cash needed to maintain his active sexual abuse of young women, it was essential that the financial institution where he banked be complicit in his operation. And more specifically, that Epstein Bank at a financial institution that would allow him to constantly withdraw cash from his accounts without following anti-money laundering reporting laws. To put it plainly, Epstein needed a bank that he knew was engaging in illegal activity and did not care because the bank only cared about the money that it was making from its relationship with Epstein. Oh. Okay, it's very windy. <laughs> this scheme of paying victims to bring other victims worked effectively because it not only allowed expansion through the recruitment of other victims in a pyramid scheme fashion, but it also allowed each victim a possibility to avoid future sexual abuse. She could bring someone else who would get abused in her place. Epstein's attitude as a sex trafficker and appetite as a sexual abuser did not suffer because of his Florida incarceration in 2008. Even while he was in jail in Florida, Epstein continued to sexually abuse young girls and women from his work release office. Once out of jail and off work release, Epstein continued to collect young women and lure them through force, fraud, or or coercion into one of his mansions, primarily his townhouse located at 9 East 71st Street, New York, New York, where he would sexually abuse each one. His sexual abuse and sex trafficking operation continued as it had in the past, although it became more elaborate, creating more phony companies, opening more bank accounts, withdrawing excessive amounts of cash and delivering money to victims through wires, payroll, direct deposits, and other means known to his financial institution as evidence of the continuation of his criminal sex trafficking scheme. As time went by, the news articles and lawsuits continued to mount 
and more information became publicly available that Epstein was continuing to abuse young women and was using professionals on his payroll to help him conceal his illegal activity and give him an ostensible cover as a well-connected money manager. As a registered sex offender discovered to be sexually abusing multiple young women each day through a pyramid type recruiting scheme that required the transfer of millions of dollars to continue the operation, a complicit bank became more important than ever. As more detailed below, J defendant JP Morgan worked closely with Epstein through every step of Epstein's sex trafficking operations expansion and growth in its most prolific of years between 2000 and 2013. So there you have it. That's the opening. They've set up sort of the background. And that was a, that was that was a lot. Um, I didn't know a lot of that was going on um, to that extent. It's sort of like um, some of it made the news and some of it didn't. But, but there you have it. Um, stick around for the next part where we'll go into the piece about the actual um, law that they're using there and to learn more about this lawsuit. So if you got something out of this, you're following along, you stuck through it and made it through, don't forget to give the video a thumbs up and don't forget to subscribe. Peace.